Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're a couple of days away now from the divisional round kickoff in the NFL, and we're going to start to break down those games in a substantial fashion for you. Uh, Giving you a roadmap for where we're headed here on Thursday. I first of all hope you're having a fantastic Thursday morning out there getting ready for the weekend. In hour two, we'll talk with my guy Alex Marvez and kind of really get you rolling in terms of what he sees in these four divisional round playoff games. In hour three, we will talk with my guy Todd Furman out in Vegas up early in the desert and discuss how you can make some money betting on uh, these four games Um, Hour one, I wanted to really kind of focus on something that I find to be utterly intriguing and especially off the jump. That is the NFL playoff ratings in the wild card absolutely tanked. We talked a little bit about this on Tuesday, I believe it was, after the NFL, after the college football playoff game. But I went back in and looked at this in the context of the college football playoff rankings, which came out on Tuesday, kind of late in the morning, and we kind of started to get a picture for how many people watched Alabama, Georgia. And so I want to hit on these two things and get your ideas on these, bring in the crew and everybody else. But I want to start with this. We talked a bit about the fact that the NFL ratings were down 9.7% overall in 2017 that is the course of the entire year the ratings dropped nearly 10 percent and that's after they were down eight percent the year before so in the past two years the NFL ratings have dropped a substantial amount eight percent in 2016 nearly 10 percent in 2017 
even more alarmingly for the NFL and its television partners, and I wrote an article and came on here and talked with you guys about the fact that the NFL television partners were going to lose approximately $500 million that they had budgeted that they were going to make across all of the different networks, whether it's NBC, CBS, Fox, or Disney slash ABC, ESPN. That's big money that they budgeted they were going to make that they're actually going to end up not making now off of the NFL. So this is a big hit to the overall business community, the collapse of the NFL. And at the same time, usually the playoffs help to revive things because there are only four games in the wild card. And this is pretty scary, I think, for the NFL. The wild card ratings for all four games that aired last weekend, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, fell 13%. And everybody out there who's been making an argument on behalf of the NFL has been like, well, it's a challenging environment. There's cord cutting going on. Netflix continues to get more powerful, popular. Hulu, all these other different entertainment options exist that didn't exist. And I'm like, really? In the last year? It suddenly has changed overnight? Those are the arguments the NFL made. But then something interesting happened. On Monday night, we had Alabama playing Georgia. And a lot of you out there were bitter and you were angry and you hopped on social media for a week leading up to this game after Georgia beat Oklahoma and after Alabama beat Clemson. And you said, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch two SEC teams play. This is a rigged job. I'm going to sit out. The ratings are going to be awful. Nobody's going to care about Alabama versus Georgia. You got two Southern teams playing. And by the way, you had four regional teams playing in the playoff to begin with because Oklahoma, effectively a Southern team, really. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas, and I think Oklahoma and Texas and Clemson and Florida State are effectively shadow SEC teams. What I mean by that is their programs are every bit the equivalent of the big SEC schools. They just happen to play in the Big 12, and they happen to play in the ACC. If you were being 100% consistent in terms of the cultural fit, Oklahoma and Texas and Clemson and Florida State would all be in the SEC because they care, their fans care about college football just like the SEC fans care about college football. So it would make total sense to have all those schools in the same conference. But it was effectively a Southern uh, kind of playoff to begin with, even though we had two SEC teams win. And something interesting happened. The ratings were up substantially on ESPN cable for the college football playoff games. And then they were up substantially for the college football title game. Georgia and Alabama ended up being the second most watched game in the history of cable. Most watched game in the history of cable was the first year of the college football playoff when Ohio State played Oregon. Second most watched game is Georgia against Alabama. So it got me thinking, wait a minute. When you look at these two contradictory data sets, If everybody out there is arguing, oh, the reason why the NFL ratings are down is because cord cutting is getting more difficult, 
because of Netflix, because of Hulu. Wait a minute. Why wouldn't that impact the college football playoff even more, considering that the college football playoff is on cable? So every year, fewer people have cable because they're cord cutting. In fact, ESPN is losing around 10,000 people a day in many months that are leaving cable never to return. Wouldn't ESPN be more impacted by cord cutting and Hulu and Netflix and people watching out of the house and all these things? Wouldn't that be more impactful in terms of the audience? Yet the college football playoff ratings were up pretty substantially. Nearly 10% more people watched Alabama-Georgia than watched Alabama-Clemson. And Alabama-Clemson, by the way, was a really good football game, right? I mean, it went down to the wire, and Clemson scored on the final play of the game, effectively, to win. And obviously, Alabama-Georgia went to overtime. But why is college football up nearly 10% while the NFL playoffs are down nearly 13%? I think the answer that so many people have been refusing to acknowledge is that the NFL brand has been substantially tarnished by the decisions involved in the protest. And I don't know why I'm one of the few people who's willing to talk about this. It's like everybody else is coming up with other excuses for why the ratings are down. And I just think it's staring us right in the face. The NFL ratings, after surging for years, dropped 8% last year. And then they dropped almost 10% this year. And then college football, the playoff, is up substantially in ratings on ESPN. And the college football title game is up nearly 10%, while the NFL playoff ratings are down nearly 13%. What other reason can you come up with other than the protest as a reason why this is happening? Now, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in the divisional round of the playoffs. I don't know what the ratings are going to look like. You got the Titans traveling to New England. You got the Jags traveling to Pittsburgh. Saints going to the Vikings and the Falcons going to the Eagles. Are those matchups going to do better than last year's divisional round? Not based on what we've seen so far this year. Do you guys have good theories for why this could be happening other than the protest. And it also got me thinking, the NBA, whose ratings continue to go up, needs to go to David Stern and give him a $100 million bonus for putting in place a rule that everybody stands for the national anthem in the NBA. Because I think if they didn't have that rule and players were protesting, it would have cost the league billions of dollars over the past couple of years over the way that players would have acted during the national anthem. As is, nobody in the NBA has ever done anything other than stand for the national anthem. And it hasn't ever been a story at all. Meanwhile, in the NFL, this thing ever since Colin Kaepernick started has been a disaster. Now, I think football is under siege to a large extent over a variety of issues. Concussions, health of players in general, officiating. There are lots of reasons why 
the NFL, I think, could be facing real difficulty. Maybe, potentially, two years ago, when the NFL ratings peaked, they just reached the absolute apex, and there's nowhere for them to go in terms of getting bigger because the audiences have gotten so substantial. But when I hear people say, well, this is just the environment that we're facing, network television ratings are down in general, I come back and look at that discrepancy. Why is college football and their playoff and their title game surging? Why was the Alabama-Georgia game, even if it was two SEC teams? I think it's fair to say that was not the best matchup that ESPN could have ever gotten, right? One answer is, well, maybe the matchup was just so great. No, Alabama-Georgia, a lot of people were saying, I'm not going to watch. Now, I think those people were liars, and there was a great deal of interest in Alabama and Georgia. And certainly, your average person out there doesn't think, I think, Alabama-Georgia is a regional game, but Alabama-Clemson was a national game. I don't think that was the case. But it is an interesting juxtaposition, an interesting dichotomy that college football ratings surged this year while the NFL ratings are collapsing. And when I look at it and I see the difference, I say, okay, look, I've made the argument for a while, college football is more entertaining than the NFL. That's my personal opinion. But is there any other difference you guys can see between why college football would have nearly set an all-time record this year and why the NFL would be tanking? A 13% drop in NFL division playoff ratings following nearly a 10% drop year-long, following an 8% drop last year. They've officially hit the panic button in the NFL. The league television partners at NBC, CBS, Fox, and ABC slash ESPN, they are panicked. They are desperately trying to figure out what's going on. I think the NFL needs to almost come out and apologize to all of its fans for the past two years of politicization when it comes to the way that politics and the NFL have become intertwined. I'm not even kidding about that. I think that Roger Goodell and the NFL owners and the NFL players need to issue an official apology. I talked about this after Thanksgiving. For those of you who missed it, I came on after Thanksgiving and I said, guys, we've been taking calls on this for a while. We've been at the forefront of the NFL losing its base because people said, you know what, I just I don't want to put on the NFL and have to deal with the fact that players are complaining about things in America. I just don't want to do it. The NFL is my escape from reality. I want to watch football for three hours, and I don't want to focus on whether guys are upset about the national anthem or the president or politics or anything other than what are you going to do on third and eight? What defense are you going to apply? I want that to be my escape from the real world. And I think the NFL blew it by getting political. And I think the media that covers the NFL blew it by getting political. And I think that this really got brought home to me personally when I was down in Florida for Thanksgiving. And my father-in-law, who is uh, grew up in Detroit, my wife is from Michigan, went to the University of Michigan, her family all lives in Michigan, when we went to to his house down in Florida to for uh, for Thanksgiving, I'm sitting around and it's been a tradition in our family on Thanksgiving, like your family, to watch the NFL. So we do on Thanksgiving, put it on, 
and it's been a tradition in my wife's family too. Uh, in fact, we have gone to Detroit Lion games on Thanksgiving before with him. And I noticed that the game wasn't on. And I was curious. I don't remember who the Lions were playing. Um, but uh, I said, hey, can we put the Lions game on? Why is, it, why is it not on? And he said, I've just been so fed up with the NFL and politics and protesting this year that I haven't watched the Lions at all. I haven't put on the NFL this year. This is a guy who's been watching the Lions for his entire life. And certainly a guy who's been watching the Lions on Thanksgiving for his entire life. And he's not a reactionary. He's not some crazy political zealot. He's a very middle-of-the-road guy. He's an engineer. And he just said, I decided I don't have time for it. Uh, It's not enjoyable for me to put on the NFL and watch them talk about players protesting and politics and everything else. I'll just spend my time elsewhere. And he hadn't watched the Lions the entire year. That's directly in my family, someone who made the decision that has watched the NFL for generations on Thanksgiving and all season long, and I had to tell him to put the tele- put the game on so I could watch it. I think that's becoming a really big issue for the NFL, and I don't know how the NFL resolves it, but when I see the NFL down 13% in its playoffs the same time that college football is up 10%, it's not that people have too many options and are not interested in sports in the same way that they were before. It's that the NFL has lost a substantial portion of its viewership by alienating its fans. What can it do to bring them back? 877-996-6369. Maybe you have a better explanation for why college football would be up and why the NFL would be down substantially. I'll bring in the crew and ask them. We'll see if they have any good ideas. But I haven't heard anybody talking about this in a substantial way, and I just find it to be utterly fascinating the different direction that college football and the NFL have gone this year in their playoff. NFL is tanking and college football is surging almost like never before. Take your calls, 877-996-6369. We'll bring in the crew, find out what they think. Do they have any rational explanations for how something like this could have happened? We'll get you ready for the divisional round of the playoff. Alex Marvez in hour two and my guy Todd Furman in hour three. But your reaction to this question for hour one. I hope you guys are having a splendid Thursday. Thanks for spending your morning with us here. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like a dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. NFL wildcard weekend playoff games all four of them combined down over 13 percent all four of them were down period so that means that's not like one game tanked it or anything else all four games were down the college football playoff ratings were up 10 percent um jason martin is fielding calls here i want to get your takes on why that might be happening 877-996-6369 but i want to bring in the crew in la while Jason Martin gets set up, and then I'll go to him, and I'll talk to uh, all of you as you call in as well. Uh, Guys, uh, I'm assuming that you're like me, and you watched all four NFL playoff games at least at some point in time. I certainly did. And obviously, we were at the college football playoff game in person, uh, Jason Martin and myself down in Atlanta. So it's not like we were part of this group that chose to watch some games and not watch others. But I'm curious out there, for those of you calling in, 
whether some of you made a conscious decision not to watch the NFL and to watch college football instead. But guys, can you think of any other rational hypothesis other than fans being turned off by the politicization of the NFL for why college football would be up substantially, up double digits, and the NFL would be down double digits in its playoff? Uh, Trump supports the college football playoff. He was there, and he hates the NFL. I mean, is there any? I mean, in, in all honesty, is there any other rational basis? I mean, I'm curious if there's anybody else who can come up with an argument. Um, again, it would be different, I think, if Alabama Georgia had been like the best possible matchup. For instance, if you talk to the people at ESPN and you said you get to pick the two teams that are going to play for the national championship this year in order to maximize ratings, who would you pick? They would say Alabama Ohio State. Alabama-Ohio State would be the best possible game that college football could have on this year to maximize ratings. Nick Saban against Urban Meyer, Big Ten against SEC, that's the game that would bring in the most casual viewers. There are probably others we could put together that would do insanely well. Notre Dame against uh, anybody, in theory, if it were close, could do pretty well too. But the best possible game would be Ohio State against Alabama. So if we'd gotten Ohio State against Alabama, I could be like, well, it's because college football got the best possible matchup. But an SEC, all SEC championship game between Alabama and Georgia is not the best possible matchup. In fact, all week long, a lot of you out there, you knuckleheads, were saying, oh, I'm the Big Ten fan. I'm not going to watch Alabama versus Georgia. Or, oh, I am a Big 12 fan or a Pac-12 fan. I'm upset. I'm an ACC fan. I'm upset over the SEC having two teams in the title game. And meanwhile, in the college, in the NFL divisional round, I mean, you had some pretty good games. I mean, you get the Panthers against the Saints. That's a great game. You get the Bills, uh, a New York team, in the playoffs for the first time since all the way back in 1999-2000 season. Uh, you get uh, the Tennessee Titans against the Kansas City Chiefs in a game that went down to literally basically the last second of that game. Uh, and you got a pretty competitive uh, playoff game there. And you got uh, the Falcons going on the road against a team from the nation's second largest media market in L.A. It's the first time we've had a team from L.A. in the playoffs in nearly a generation and or over a generation. So uh, the, the, it's not like the wild card matchups were bad. I mean, Atlanta against L.A. should be a pretty damn good game because you got one of the biggest media markets in the country in Atlanta going up against the second biggest media market in the country. Uh, What about you, Danny G? Any theory, any hypothesis? No, I mean, I do agree with some of what Coop just said, and and then I think you made a good point when you said they reached an all-time high a couple of seasons ago. The NFL did. So when you hit a ceiling like that, can you keep going higher than that? I mean, I, I looked at uh, Nielsen ratings right now, and in the top 15 for 2017, you see the NFL all through it, and they're number one, actually, with Sunday there's, night football averaging no, 18.5 million viewers. There's no doubt, but if I'm in the NFL, like I always hate the word still, <laughs> and I've used this line for a long time, because anytime you say still, you take away the S, and it means till. Till when? Right, I mean, if you're down 8%, like just think about it from a business perspective. If your business, whatever you do for a living, was down 8% overall in revenue two years ago, 
and then you followed up that 8% decline in revenue this year with nearly a 10% decline, that's about 20% of your business that's disappeared in two years. Just about every American business out there, every global business, if in two years you had lost 20% of your business, there would be an all-hands-on-deck meeting, and a lot of these companies would go out of business because a lot of businesses are not built right now to be able to withstand suddenly a 20% drop in two years. This is like hit the panic button status for the NFL to try to figure out what's going on. Jason Martin, uh, can you think of anything, any other rational explanation other than the protest at this point? Because there's been a lot of people out there who would say, oh, it was the election. Oh, it was Donald Trump, you know, and the attention that he would draw. But I just think putting these side by side and saying, okay, if that's true, why is it not impacting college football? Well, I will say, I don't necessarily disagree with anything that you've said. I will suggest that one sport seems to be a whole lot more fun to watch than the other one does. So that would at least maybe indicate it a little bit, but not to the extent that it's indicated now. I absolutely do think Justin made a good point when he said, and I was thinking the same thing, if you're somebody that was a Trump supporter that feels like you were alienated by the NFL, uh, whether you know legitimately or not, I'm not trying to cast aspersions one way or the other, but if you feel that way, and then you find out that Trump is going to attend the national championship game. That, to me, is the kind of thing that would bring you to one when it would certainly take you away from the other. You know that you weren't going to see Trump in any of the playoff games over the weekend, but he was going to be at the national championship game <laughs> yeah. on Monday night. I, I, so that, I to me, I do think matters at least a little bit. I don't think that really moves the needle, frankly, because I think Trump showing up at college football is almost a sign of the fact that college football players haven't been protesting for two years. Uh, You already knew that that was not happening in college football. And frankly, college football is fortunate because many of the the conferences, the rule is that the players aren't out on the field for the national anthem. So you don't even have to worry about that. I'm going to go to your calls. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia first, find out what's trending in the world of sports. All right, Clay, let's start in the NBA where we had a surprising outcome as the Clippers go on the road and beat the Warriors 125-106 to in the win for L.A. Lou Williams had a career-high 50 points. He's the fourth Clippers player ever to score 50 or more in a game. In the loss for Golden State, Kevin Durant had 40 points and became the fifth player under the age of 30 to score 20,000 points in his NBA career. He joins LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Wilt Chamberlain. College basketball top-ranked Villanova had no trouble beating 10th-ranked Xavier, 89-65. Double overtime for Texas to knock off 16th-ranked TCU, 99-98. And Louisville went on the road and beat 23rd-ranked Florida State, 73-269. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, from the NFL, the Fritz Pollard Alliance, who according to their website, promote diversity and equality of job opportunities in coaching, front office and scouting staffs of NFL teams, is calling on the league to investigate whether the Oakland Raiders violated the Rooney rule when they hired John Gruden. The Alliance issued a statement expressing concern that Raiders owner Mark Davis came to an agreement with Gruden before the team interviewed any minority candidates. Isn't it more insulting to get interviewed for a job you have no chance to get because they already know who they're going to hire than to have a sham interview? I, I can't believe that some of this stuff that I hear. Like, like, so you're upset that the Raiders know they want to hire John Gruden and you didn't give a sham interview to a minority candidate before you hired John Gruden? I, I don't even understand why you would be upset here. 
Like sometimes teams just know exactly who they're going to hire. The Raiders want to hire John Gruden. If they know that they want to hire John Gruden, are there any Raiders fans out there that are like, oh, we should have interviewed a minority candidate first? I mean, legitimately, if you know 100% who your guy is and you're going to pay him $10 million a year and you've been working for a couple of of years potentially to try to persuade John Gruden to come back to the Raiders, is there any Raiders fan on earth right now who's upset that they didn't bring in a minority candidate and fake interview him? Uh, You know, I agree with the process of doing rigorous background interviews if you don't know who you're going to hire. But the Raiders screw up a lot of stuff. But if you know 100%, Danny G, are you upset over this? Like, wouldn't you be more upset if you're, no, like, if you're no. a minority candidate and you know that they want John Gruden and they bring you in for a sham interview? I think that's worse than just hiring John Gruden and paying whatever fine that they might be owed. And I can't believe that's a major story. Like, well, look, I mean, the, the Raiders have a lot of problems right now, Clay, but diversity is not one of them. They have a black the, GM, right? Look, yeah. They, the irony, as uh, Ben pointed out a few hours ago, would be that the fine would be slapped at, you know, Reggie McKenzie, who's African-American. The Raiders, they broke all barriers through the years. They had the first black head coach. They drafted the first black quarterback. They hired the first Latino head coach and won the first Super Bowl with a Latino quarterback in Jim Plunkett. And they hired the first female CEO in Amy Trask. So that rule was put in place so other teams could be like them. Yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm not big on sham interviews to try to fulfill you know both I'd rather pay the fine personally but it's crazy to me that this is a story like I I pull up every morning like the top websites and check and see when it's like the lead story on ESPN and and I asked you guys I'm like what was your lead story and you're like oh we talked about John Gruden and the Rooney rule I'm like what like of all the times to be upset about the Rooney rule the Raiders knew they wanted John Gruden and they went and got him like if suddenly like I mean in all honesty let's say that the, uh, I don't know, the Denver Broncos suddenly find out that Bill Belichick is available to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos, and he wants to go to Denver. Well, guess what? They should fire Vance Joseph. And then if they didn't interview a minority candidate before they talked to Bill Belichick, would the Rooney rule have been violated? Or would everybody be like, yeah, no, no crap they didn't interview anybody else. They went and hired Bill Belichick because they could get Bill Belichick. They didn't, they didn't wait and say, oh, we got to fulfill the Rooney rule. I just, it's, just, it's you, a stupid story. You know story. what pisses me off about that alliance? They're wasting their time on this. What they should be spending their time on is why Why isn't Tom Flores in the Hall of Fame? He, he's not. I, I, he, I, why is there an alliance? Like, well, why does yeah, that that's a good exist? question, too. I mean, what do they do? They sit around all day and just make sure that sham interviews take place? Anyway, let me get to, uh, let me get to my calls here um, and figure out uh, what you guys think about uh, all this and more. Um, let's go to Richard in Jacksonville. What's up, Richard? What's up, Clay? Good morning. I wanted to uh, agree, I just uh, concur with your basic theory and let you know a quick story. I did sports, I did marketing, and I had to go to a lot of sports bars in in, uh, Jacksonville where I live. And I took over a territory that moved out of Duval County and took up Clay and Bradford as well. And as I got into those counties and those sports bars, this is in October of 2016, they had lists of the teams they wouldn't play from the NFL, the games on Sunday, based on who had been kneeling. Oh, wow, in the sports bars. Yeah, so in other words, the further west out of Jacksonville I went, the more to the center of the state, 
the more you could tell that the ire and the anger was up. And, I mean, they weren't even saying they were boycotting the NFL. They had, like, a list of ten teams you couldn't see Sunday because players on those particular teams had been kneeling. So, oh, that's that's clearly, fascinating. I, clearly, yeah. Clearly you were right. You know, I mean, I mean, it was a really alarming firsthand experience, and it literally happened in the counties, like, where you know Trump won the election, and, you know, those ty- you, you get it. You know who's there and the whole thing. So, But I need to ask you a question. How does viewing habits factor in these days? Like, for example, couldn't you say that um, the Big Bang Theory, their, their uh, uh, ratings are down as well, meaning because people are watching from non-traditional formats these days? Like yeah, I, 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 yeah I think that's, that's why I, th- I appreciate the call, and I think that's an alarming story for the NFL uh, about the way that those sports bars are responding. Um, I, th- I think, honestly, that... That's why the, the 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 stories of the college football playoff being up and the NFL playoff being down. Because to me, the best games should be the most recession proof of the ratings, right? So the Super Bowl, which is the biggest game, should be the event that is the most recession proof, most ratings proof of the decline because people want to go to the big events still. Um, and that's why the 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 ratings so struck me that college football was up and the NFL was down and the college football was up double digits and the NFL was down double digits. We've had several years where the college football playoff goes head to head with the NFL and we've never seen this before. Marty in Washington state. What's up, Marty? I have to agree. And you're the only guy that's talking about it the way you are. I love football. Loved it all my life. I had this, you know, Sunday ticket for 15 years. I'm not watching NFL, but this was the last football game of the year, the college playoff final, and it was awesome. And that was it. And I won't watch them. You know, so my you're, you're like, a good, your example. You're watching college football, but you've chosen not to watch the NFL. Yes, you know, and I'm I'm a military retired. I've been doing. I work for the military. I work for the government right now. I've been doing this 37 years. You know, when my buddies came back with the flag on their coffin, I don't care. These guys on ESPN, and I still, I got to listen to ESPN radio and watch it on TV. I listen to Coward, Mike and Mike, or now Mike and Wingo, whatever. And I'm up here in the middle of the night listening to you almost in the morning. But the point is, it's disrespectful. They need to knock it off. I want to watch football. I don't want to deal with politics. I won't even get into politics. We all have our opinions. That's fine. But I think it's disrespectful when they say, well, we're not disrespecting the military. Yeah, they are. They're they're disrespecting me and my dead friends. And when they say they're not disrespecting the flag, the flag means so much to us. It's ingrained in our hearts. You defend the flag. You defend the people that that live under that flag. That's, That's what we do. That's what we did. And my you know, I've had too many of my, I don't want to go into all that. But anyway, I agree with you 100%. I watch college. I always have. But I watched it exclusively. And I haven't watched an NFL game this year. And I, I pre- love football. I appreciate the call. Thanks for the service. I'm going to continue to take your calls. Final segment, hour one, 877-996-6369. Jason Martin will pick up for you. I'll get to you, I promise, in the final segment of our one if you're still holding on with us and also we're talking about if you're just starting off your day something that i found to be really fascinating why are nfl ratings in the playoffs down 13 percent 
off the first weekend of the wild card games while the college football playoff was up double digits. That disconnect between those two, utterly fascinating to me. We'll talk about it more. Take your calls, your ideas. Final segment, hour one, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on. Whatever the heck you want this tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. We're talking about why the NFL playoff ratings collapsed this year in particular, down 13% over last year, while college football playoff rankings ratings are up 10%. It's like two ships passing in the night. Uh, get a, a guy reaching out uh, early in the morning, starting off with us here, and he works at a high level in retail and deals with selling retail sports products for both the NFL and college. And he sends me this. Um, the NFL consumer products are down in sales almost 10%. Retail sales down for all products. And at the same time, college gear is up 4%. So it's not just a change in television watching patterns. That's kind of fascinating, too, is that people are buying more college gear, up 4%. Meanwhile, while retail sales of NFL products are down 10%. So that's kind of intriguing, too, that the television viewing patterns are being reflected in how people are spending their money as well. They're not buying NFL gear, and they're buying still college gear it's a growth industry for college let's go to uh, bobby in nashville what's up bobby hey uh clay long time listener um so quick background um currently in the army and while i was deployed um is when the whole protest started and i vaguely you know not vaguely but quickly remembered you know everyone just sitting there in the room and just shock and disbelief that these players that are making 20 30 million dollars a year you know, some that are on the lower end making only, you know, two to three, you know, league minimum, you know, have the, the right to protest the flag when everything that we're going through and watching, and a vast majority of us just switched to college football. I mean, it's, you know, you see the ROTC people on the sidelines, you see the respect that's given, and you just kind of get tired of listening to the politics, you know, week in and week out. Well, thanks for the service, Bobby. I appreciate that. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, if I were serving in Afghanistan – if I were overseas uh, risking my life and my escape is that I'm going to on the Armed Forces Network flip on an NFL game and the first thing I see when I flip on the NFL game is a guy making millions of dollars taking a knee to protest the national anthem, to hell with that. I'm watching something else. That's not the way I want to spend my free time. It's not who I want to support. I don't blame you at all. Zach in Indiana, what's up? Yeah, hi. Um, so I'm kind of a casual fan, but I think that Thinking of the politics is just too specific. I think just the general public perception of the NFL is um, going down. You know, in the news or in the media, the only things we ever hear about in the NFL are like the Tom Brady scandal, um, the Ezekiel Elliott scandal. And quite, quite frankly, that just doesn't interest me. Along with just the amount of injuries that we had this season, it just never got me invested. Yeah, that's a good call as well. I mean, I, I think certainly the media has not helped the NFL. Because in the NFL, it's one thing if we come on and we're like, man, 
the Patriots and the Steelers, you know, game, if it comes down to a controversy over what a catch is, I don't know that that helps the NFL. If it comes down to a, a huge play one way or the other that a team makes, and also I think concussions has hurt the NFL. Because a lot of people, I guarantee you, came on Monday after the wild card weekend and they said, man, can you believe Cam Newton went back in that game? And I don't remember as a kid growing up anybody ever saying like, oh my God, I can't believe that guy went back in the game after the big hit. Like you just kind of assumed it was going to happen. David in Virginia Beach. What's up, David? Yeah, um, I mean, partially the political thing, but at least for me, I would say it's because the bias towards teams and coverage of teams. A prime example is when they showed here, they were showing the Browns and Steelers game, which was very boring. So I was not going to watch that. I'm a Vikings fan, and I figured the Vikings-Bears game was at least somewhat more interesting because there was some kind of uh, reason for that game to win. Yeah, I think, thanks for the call, David. I think one thing the NFL needs to do is reassess its regional television viewing footprint. And I've been on this for a long time. I think NFL fans, much like college football fans, should be able to pick whichever game they want to watch, not whichever game gets assigned to them. Uh, T in San Jose, what's up, T? Can you be quick? Hey, boss, I just wanted to call in and say that I agree 100% with the protests. Um, I'm not in the armed services, but I have family members. I believe that, um, that it's a disgrace that they choose to kneel during the national anthem. But I also think that it's the level of play that's going on in the NFL like in all reality I did watch all the playoff games I'm a 49er faithful and um and the only game that was actually worth watching was a Panther Saints game other than that I mean I knew Alex Smith was going to tank and um I knew the Rams weren't going to make it it was just too predictable for me I guess college football is a little little more uh exciting and a little less unpredictable no, that's good stuff from T in Miami. Continue to load up the lines. We'll take your calls in the final segment, or second segment of Hour 2. We'll go to Alex Marvez. We'll start to break down some of these divisional playoff games. We'll see whether or not people are going to show up and actually watch those. And we'll see what Alex Marvez thinks. He's a college football fan. Does he see the difference? Next, Outkick the Coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. NFL divisional round playoffs inching closer and closer. Two days from now, we get the first game kicking off. We're going to talk with Alex Marvez here in the next segment about all these games. But we started off the show and we continue to uh, to unpack here what I think is a big story. And it is the NFL wildcard weekend games being down 13% on average. All four of them being down double digits. So it's not as if one game just dragged the entire crew down. All four of the wild card game ratings were down double digits. And uh, we have the college football playoff, which happened on New Year's Day as well as on this past Monday. We were obviously down in Atlanta for that game. And the ratings for that game surged 10% over last year. So the question that I'm asking is, it's one thing if people just want to say, oh, the reason why the NFL ratings are down is because television viewing habits have changed. It's because television in, in, in general is under siege because people have a lot more options. They're watching on demand. They're watching Netflix. They're watching Hulu. They're watching television in different ways. They're watching on their phones. All these different uh, explanations. But my question is pretty straightforward. It's okay if those same situations occur for both college and the NFL, why would college be up double digits and the NFL be down double digits, particularly when 
the college games are on cable. So in theory, it's harder to watch games on cable than it is basic network television. So if cord cutting was going to be a thing and people were watching television less, wouldn't the ESPN have been more impacted by that than the NFL was? And look, a lot of the wild card games were pretty daggone competitive. It's not like we got a ton of 42-3 to games in the wild card weekend that just passed. Titans Chiefs went down to the wire. Panthers Saints down to the wire. Uh, certainly it wasn't a great game. But Bills-Jags went down to the absolute wire. And even the Rams and the Falcons game was pretty entertaining down the stretch. It wasn't like it was a blowout game. It was very competitive as well. So you got four pretty competitive games in the NFL wildcard. It may be a little bit more understandable. And you had, again, a lot of big markets. Atlanta against L.A. That's a pretty good game. Uh, Two big-time quarterbacks in Cam Newton and in Drew Brees going head-to-head. Uh, you got uh, Bills in the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, basically. There's a lot of pretty good, sexy storylines. Lots of teams that hadn't been in the playoffs for a while that would have produced a lot of interest in those markets in Jacksonville and in Nashville. So I just I, I don't buy into the fact that everything else is working flawlessly for the NFL and somehow this is just a larger scale issues they're facing. And what I have been saying, I'm one of the few people who's been on this, guys. Because everybody else out there in television has been making excuses. They've been saying, oh, well, it was the election. Oh, well, it was uh, the, the, the cord cutting and the challenges that television is facing in general. And what I've been telling you guys is what I've been hearing from people in the middle part of the country. Not people in New York and L.A. so much, but the middle part of the country, the base, the backbone of football fandom, the middle part of the country. A lot of people saying, I'm just not going to watch the local, I mean, I'll watch maybe my local team, but I'm not going to watch the national games. And so everything is down substantially. And this comes on the heels of every game being down substantially. I pulled this from the uh, New York Times, uh, sorry, the Wall Street Journal recently. And I looked at this and I said, man, this ain't good for the NFL. And I sent out this link. This was in the Wall Street Journal, I believe, Friday edition. Um, Monday Night Football down 6% for the year. Fox Sunday afternoons, down 9%. NBC, this is regular season, down 11%. CBS, down 11%. And Thursday night football, down 12%. Every NFL game and sequence was down substantially. And I wrote about this on in my website, OutKick, but it was going to miss revenue. The expectation was NFL television partners we're going to miss revenue by 500 million bucks. The NFL with NBC, CBS, Fox, and Disney slash ESPN slash ABC, those networks were going to miss their budget by over $500 million because people were not watching. So I would love to know it. What would you guys do to solve this issue? The NFL, if you were a business, let's just take it away from the NFL. If you were a business, a lot of you driving into work this morning, if you work at a for-profit business, and the NFL teams are for-profit businesses, and your revenue was down 20% in the past two years, it would be an all-hands-on-deck meeting, and everybody would be sitting around the table, and you'd be like, what's happened with our product? If you sold chocolate bars, and your chocolate bar sales had just declined 20%, in the past two years, you would be, it would be an oh crap moment. 
doesn't matter what you sell. If you were a bank and your deposits had declined 20% in two years, you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh, what are we doing wrong? Why are we losing everybody? If you're a retail store and your revenue dropped 20% over the past two years, no matter what you sell, you'd be like, we got to change something. We got to figure out what's going on here or we're going to go out of business. What would you do? Does Roger Goodell in this offseason say we need to make a drastic change? We need to apologize. We need to go back and change the rule and make everybody stand for the national anthem. Does he hope this just vanishes and just disappears? I don't I don't know what the easy answer is. I do know this. If you're down 20% in two years, that's trouble. If they came to me I'm on my show. And they said, hey, since we hired you, Clay Travis, your ratings have dropped 20% in this time slot. You know what would happen? I would get fired. That's zero doubt. They would come to me and they would say, hey, I don't know what you're doing, but it ain't working. In the two years that you've been on air, your ratings have dropped 20%. 20% less people are listening to you than when you started. I'd get fired. Right here, I'm not lying. My contract's up at the end of June. They'd be like, we're going to go find somebody else. And I'd be like, I totally understand it. My job is to bring people in, and instead, I've run people off. Something I'm doing, not working. By the way, we're surging in ratings. Thank you for that. But if I understand that I'm in the ratings business, just like the NFL is. I'm in the business of making as many people listen for as long as possible, just like the NFL is in the business of making as many people watch football for as long as possible. That's how they make their money. And ultimately, I don't know if the players understand that, but that's how the players get paid. Ultimately, when they're protesting and knocking ratings down 20% for their league, they're taking money out of their own pocket. I don't know. The problem, I think, in general, is lots of people who are employees don't understand how they get their paychecks. I always say this. If you want to make more money, figure out how you get paid. Because if you can make your boss more money, he's going to probably pay you more money. A lot of people just want to be employees. They don't want to focus on what they need to do to make more money. They want to just focus on the fact that their paycheck continues to come in. They don't want to think about what can I do better to make my company more successful. They don't really take that next step. And I think a lot of NFL players did that too. I think they weren't really thinking about who pays their salary. If you are an NFL player, guess where your money comes from? Fans. Period. And so if the fans aren't happy, that's on you, ultimately. Your job is to make the fans happy. You're an entertainer. And if you're not entertaining and keeping them happy, then it's on you. I used as an example uh, the Dixie Chicks. Remember when the Dixie Chicks went out there and insulted George W. Bush while they were overseas in England? And then all of a sudden they were like, holy crap, our fan base revolted on us? It wasn't just what the Dixie Chicks said, because if Madonna said it, nobody would have cared. If Jay-Z said it, nobody would have cared. It was that when the Dixie Chicks insulted George W. Bush, they were insulting their very base. The people who made their, paid their salaries, bought their music, went to their concerts. You can say they had First Amendment rights. All that is true. But if you alienate your base, you ain't going to be around very long in the entertainment industry. And what the Dixie Chicks did, I think, is similar to what the NFL players have done. They've alienated their base. All the people in the middle part of the country 
who love football, everybody in Texas. This is why Jerry Jones, I think, was so aggressive. Jerry Jones in Texas. He sees what's happening to the Cowboys. The Cowboys are as close to Americana as you can get. It's like mom, apple pie, Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones ain't dumb. He didn't become a multi-billionaire because he's bad at figuring out what people want. He looked around and he said, my God, this protest is alienating a huge portion of the Dallas Cowboy fan base. My mom just texted me. Said your uncle refuses to watch the NFL other than the local team. And I think that's what a lot of people have done. You like your local team enough that you'll watch them, but you're not going to watch Monday night football. You're not going to watch Thursday night football. You may not watch the NFL playoffs if it doesn't involve your local team. I think that starts to explain it. That's been my theory for a while, that the last thing fans would give up would be their local team. The first thing they would give up would be the national games. Jason Martin, if 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 Roger Goodell came to you and he said, this is a crisis, we're down 20%, what do we need to do? What would you tell him? Have the players stay in the locker room until after the national anthem. That's which not going to solve college it now. football does. I think not it would. I, I don't, making people stand to me. I, I guess I just disagree. Like personally, I want people to stand for the national anthem, but I don't like the idea of forcing people to do it. I think staying in I, in the locker room would I don't, help. I, I don't I just, see. I can't. I don't. They agree force with that them to all. stand up in the NBA, and it's not a story at all. I think that's wrong too. Yeah, but it's not a story. I, think, I, I mean, people. I just. It's really weird to me. It's a slippery slope. I don't like mandating things like that. I think if you just have them stay in the locker room, I think that's a bad argument. No one sees think, it. Yeah, but that's that, first of all, they'll know now. So you, you can't think you do should it be now. forced that to stand been, up for something if, you might not agree with? People do that all the time, Jason Martin. You have to wear a uniform that doesn't have like the cleats that the you same might things, want. Yeah, it's totally just, the same I thing. I just don't agree with you. I, totally, I am totally patriotic and believe that you should stand for the national anthem. I also believe that we're in a country that actually believes in the idea that if you don't necessarily want to stand for the national anthem, you shouldn't necessarily have to, personally. You should as part of the job. You cannot do the job. Like, this this is crazy to me. Like, if you are a FedEx driver and you're a huge Donald Trump supporter and you want to wear a Make America Great hat again instead of your FedEx normal hat or whatever you wear, you can't do that as part of the job. If you are a McDonald's cashier and you're selling Big Macs all day, you can't wear a Hillary Clinton button on your McDonald's uniform. Do you know why? Because when you agree to be an employee, you give up some of your rights. They pay you to give up things that otherwise you might Yeah, but they're not paying you to, to stand do. for the national anthem at FedEx. They're not paying you to stand for the national anthem at Walmart. That's not part of your gig. It could you be. you signed a contract, what's part of your contract is said, by the way, you also have to stand for the national anthem be. or you can't play in the NFL. I think that's insane, though. Why? I just think it's insane. If it's Just bad keep them in business. the locker room. I don't care. Like, if I want to believe that everybody would stand for the national anthem. It's, if it's bad for your But the fact of the matter is there are college players that, did, that would not stand for the national anthem if they were forced to be out there. At okay, the time, then they, they don't, have, then they don't have to play. Like, I don't understand how this is remotely controversial. Every single person who sells their labor is giving up some of their freedom in exchange for money. That's, like, par for the course. You are choosing, well, every single person who's driving into work today, right now, is choosing to sell their time in exchange for labor. And as part of selling their time for labor... They are giving up the right to do other things. Like, that's literally the very basis of being paid for a job. The reason why I'm up right now talking on the radio is not because I want to do it for free. 
The reason why you're working as a producer is not because you want to do it for free or Danny G or, or Justin wants to do it for free. If our ratings were down 20% and I found out that our ratings would go up 20% again if we played the national anthem before this show started, I would make every single employee that works on this show stand up for the national anthem and we'd put the damn thing on Periscope and Facebook if it were going to make a difference. I give You guarantee it. And I would fire anybody who wouldn't do it. And I don't think that's a bad move. If I told you right now your your salary is going to be increased by 20% if we played the national anthem to start this show and you had to stand up and we had to put it on Periscope and Facebook and I guarantee you that our ratings were going to be up 20%, you wouldn't do it? Well, you're asking the wrong person in my case because I would have stood anyway because I right, believe but, in the national anthem. I'm just I'm suggesting, I'm just you, suggesting but, that, if, that if they're no, not but, out there actively standing up in front of me, I don't care about that. Okay, that's that's I don't for think you, you should though, mandate them to have that to do that. That doesn't ma- that clearly doesn't matter to you, but it's mattering for twenty percent of the viewership. That's fine. And so you're, you're telling losing- me that that you should just take them and just be like, all right, well, you're still going to do this because it's a business. It's like, do you care about the patriotism or do you, do you just simply care about the money? Oh, I Those care about things- the money. Yeah, I well, care see, about the to, money, but uh, but well, the, then, but then the it's a sham. Is, then it's, it's, it's sham. the equivalent of interviewing a black candidate for the Oakland Raiders. No, it's like not. Team Martin not, and not having any chance for that guy to get the it's job. It's a, the same gig. You don't no, even care not. if they're standing. You just want to make sure that people are watching the games. Yeah, Keep because them I'm in, in the a locker business. room. Who cares? I'm a business. I'm a business. I still believe the same thing. Don't invite them to the White House. Don't invite anybody to the White House because I don't care what their political stance is. If they want to do that on their own time and potentially harm their brand, that's fine. Jason, you got to take a step back you're answering this for yourself you're not thinking well, I have like to a answer business. it for myself no you're not thinking like a business owner you all right so as a business, like a business owner, owner i'm going to force people to go against look the, the guy that called up the army lieutenant that called up and said that it made him sick that that these people would think that they have the right to kneel while people are dying on the battlefield unfortunately they're dying on the battlefield for the right for people to that's express a bad their argument. opinion again it's not again, a bad argument. it is a bad argument the argument here is your business is down 20 percent I come to you and say, how do you solve it? You say, don't come out for the national anthem. That's not going to solve this issue. It's actually going to make it worse now. It's a compromise so put them that out could there have worked. As a sham. If put you want to stand up. If you want to be employed as an NFL player, to me, that's not very much to ask. That to stand for an anthem that you might not agree with, might not like, might not might have yes, a problem with. Zero a lot issue. of people if think that want, it was an actual protest if you don't the anthem, want, and if it you really have wasn't. such an issue with the anthem and pro and and the fact that you can't protest in your uniform while you're at work then you can not be employed i don't understand why that's a difficult situation it's the exact same to me as somebody who is in a uniform like when you are in a uniform representing a company you don't have the right to protest and share your political opinions in that uniform i don't understand how this is not something that everybody on earth doesn't understand on the most basic level if you are in a uniform representing a company, you don't have the right to share your political beliefs with everyone that comes into contact with you that day. Easy example. If you are a Walmart cashier, you don't have the right to cash somebody out at Walmart and say abortion is murder. If that happened, every single person listening to us right now would be like, yeah, Walmart should fire that employee. If you showed up as a FedEx or a UPS driver, and when you delivered a package for Christmas this year, you said, God bless Donald Trump. Thank God he's making America great again. Everybody, and you wore a MAGA hat, make America great again hat. Every single person would say, yeah, you don't deserve the right in your uniform 
to be advocating on behalf of Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or any other political agenda. I don't understand how it's controversial for an NFL team to say the exact same thing to a player. If you want to advocate outside of the time when you're wearing my uniform, then you have the right to do it. Like, on my show... But you're av- wait a no, second, no, stop. wait a second, wait a on second. My no, wait, show, wait. no, stop. On my show, if Danny G came on and he was like, hey, today I want to talk about how much I love anime, I'd be like, we're probably not going to do that. And if when I went to Danny G and I was like, hey, what do you think about the Raiders and the decision to hire John Gruden? He was like, oh, I like the decision to hire John Gruden, but let me talk to you about this new anime film that I watched and how much I love it. And if he consistently did it, I'd be like, this dude can't be on the show because he's not fulfilling the obligations of the job in a, in a good way. Like, if you are showing up and advocating politically for any cause when you are in a uniform then that and that is hurting my business, then I'm going to fire you. And I don't understand how that's remotely controversial. And if you take it outside of sports, I don't think there's a single person listening to us right now who would say, yeah, when I go to McDonald's and I order a Big Mac, I want to hear somebody who's taking my Big Mac order tell me what they think about campaign finance reform and why they need to be supporting my candidate or the fact that they believe that Bernie Sanders is right when he says that the corporations are getting like, you don't want to, you just like, dude, I just want a Big Mac. Like, I don't want to hear from you why you think that the American global system, uh, capitalistic system is broken and the rich people are getting too rich and the poor people are getting too poor. Like, I don't care. I just want a Big Mac. And, and by the way, my fries too. I don't want any politics from you when I'm ordering something at McDonald's. And I think it's simply true as well that when people watch football, they're like, I want to watch football. I don't want any politics at all, this is my escape from real life. And if you are doing that and you are hurting my brand, then I'm going to fire you. And I don't understand how that's even remotely controversial. I think that's the very basis of American capitalism. Like, you serve the customer. And if the customer's not happy, then I'm going to find somebody who can make the customer happy. Like, I, I just, I, I don't understand. Like, so you say, oh, it's a sham if somebody signs, stands up. I don't really care about what their motivation is or what whether they agree with it. I care that they are there standing and that they're not hurting my business. So you're, so you can have a political opinion and say that they need to stand up, but they don't have the right to then have the political opinion on their own side. Yes, because, because my political, I'm no, just suggesting that you leave them in the opinion, locker room so that we don't ever see their opinion one way my, or the other, and they're not forced to take I a stand. I don't on believe company standing time. up for the national anthem is a strong political opinion, and moreover, I don't think that it's the like, kneeling shouldn't be. No, it's not true at all. That's not true at all. Standing for the national anthem is a basic sign of respect. It doesn't mean that you're standing for the national anthem and like, oh, I'm a Democrat and I'm standing for the national anthem and oh, I'm a Republican. Standing for the national anthem doesn't tell me anything at all about your internal politics. Moreover, it doesn't in any way also mean that you don't have the right anytime else, anytime other than the three hours a day when you are in your uniform being paid by my team to play a game, you can have any opinion that you want. I don't think you that's true You can even have either. any opinion that you want in a press conference right after the game. You can even have any opinion that you want in a press conference after practice. But when you are in my uniform, on the field, being paid to play football, you do what I ask, just like the NBA. Like, the NBA is so smart. They should go give $100 million extra to David Stern 
and they should say, God bless you, David Stern. You were a genius. We dodged completely all of this disaster. Because if the NBA was kneeling, if guys were kneeling in the NBA right now, it would cost the NBA, it would have cost the NBA and the television partners billions of dollars over the past couple of years. It would kill the NBA if they were kneeling during the national anthem. And David Stern was smart enough to know this. He put in place a rule that everybody had to stand for the national anthem. You know what hasn't happened? Nobody's even out there saying, hey, how come the NBA makes its players stand for the national anthem? How come the NBA has to do this? How come the NBA players have to fake patriotism? How come they have to sham patriotism? Nobody's even asking because it's a basic rule that was already in place and nobody in the NBA has stood up to it. And in the NFL, they didn't have the rule. And as a result, their business is tanking down 20% in the past two years. That is push the panic button. We are in serious trouble. That ain't good. That is problematic. And how do you fix it? I don't know. We'll talk to Alex Marvez about that. We'll talk about the divisional rounds of playoffs. We'll keep rolling. I'm Clay Travis. God bless America. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. Just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Up next, it's Alec Marvez. But first, let's find out what's shaking in the world of sports. All right, Clay, let's start with the game of the night in the NBA where the Clippers go on the road and surprise the Warriors 125-106. to Lou Williams, a career-high 50 points in the win for L.A. He's the fourth Clippers player ever to score 50 or more in a game. Kevin Durant had 40 points for Golden State in the loss and became the fifth player under the age of 30 to score 20,000 points in his NBA career, joining LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Will Chamberlain. College basketball, top-ranked Villanova had no trouble beating 10th-ranked Xavier, 89-65. Texas got by 16th-ranked TCU, 99-98 in double overtime. And Louisville snapped Florida State's 28-game home court winning streak by beating the 23rd-ranked Seminoles, 73-69. The support brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Clay, a couple of notes from NFL coaching news. Pat Shermer, Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator, reportedly now the leading candidate to be the Arizona Cardinals next head coach. And Baylor head coach Matt Rule reportedly interviewed for the Indianapolis Colts head coaching vacancy. Good deal. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Alex Marvez, is the panic button time to be popped here down now that the NFL wildcard ratings were down 13%, even though college football was up 10%? I find that juxtaposition really fascinating. Would that scare you if you're the NFL? Yeah, I think it should. I mean, clearly, because advertisers at some point are going to say, what are we paying for? Should we shift our advertising dollars elsewhere to a hotter product? Now, as you know, the decay of network television is part of this as well. But no, they're, they're, and listen, the matchups weren't that great. In NFL games, there are some things that are inherently wrong with the NFL right now. The officiating is something that just comes up week after week. I think people are getting tired of it. And let's be honest here. Who wants to watch Tennessee, Kansas City? Who wants to watch Jacksonville, Buffalo? These aren't marquee games. Carolina and New Orleans is really more of a – they're national teams, but they're not national teams. You know what I mean? They're just not these aren't big draws i think the real reason to panic may be if the big teams that play this weekend you know you're talking for the big markets philadelphia uh, you're talking uh, you know new england you're talking pittsburgh those types of things if they can't draw any traction 
then I think, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll see how much the decline is, because I expect it to decline as people continue to cut the cord and maybe watch games digitally or not watch at all. But you're right. It, is a, it is, should be a concern for the NFL. Which game is best if you could only pick one to watch this weekend? I, you know, call me a glutton for punishment, Titans and Patriots. I think we're going to see a better game, at least early on, than, than what people think. Of course, look, two things have to happen. Number one, the Titans have to come up with a plan to cover the tight end, something that didn't happen until Travis Kelsey. Yeah, good luck on that. Out with a concussion. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, look, Tom Brady, 6-2 and two career record against Dick LeBeau. They've always found ways to attack his defense and be successful at it. And, of course, too, the, if, you know, if the Patriots take away that one thing, as we always talk about, and, of course, it's going to be Derrick Henry that they try to take away, way can Marcus Mariota make a few plays in the passing game but this is a healthy Tennessee team and it's just a nasty brand of football you know what I mean it's just it's just the type of thing that usually keeps you around in games and you end up beating up the other team pretty good so I think the Titans could make some hay as far as the pass rush goes and you know the key is going to be to getting Tom Brady off his spot make him move around a little bit because that Achilles tendon is still sore even though he's off the injury report but the Falcons-Eagles, are you buying into the idea that the Atlanta has now moved to a three-point road favorite? Are you buying into the idea that the Falcons are going to go on the road and knock off the Eagles? No, I'm not, actually. And I think it's, you know what, it sounds too good to be true, right? You know, Falcons on the road being the favorites. I think the Eagles play the disrespect card pretty well. I think Nick Foles will be better than what it is that we've been seeing. They've had a lot of time to try to, you know, prepare for this, put in plays that Nick Foles run, runs well. I don't think they exposed any of that against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think they even took the, the pedal off the metal a little bit when it came to the Oakland Raiders. So I expect a better team. I expect, you know, the interesting thing, too, is how are the, the weather conditions going to affect this one? From what I understand, Clay, and I'm not a meteorologist, but from what I understand, there could be steady winds, 18 miles an hour, gusts up to 31 miles an hour. That could wreak havoc in the passing game, wreak havoc on special teams. Other games on Sunday, Jags, Steelers, Saints, Vikings. What jumps out to you about these two games? Jag Steelers, well, Blake Bortles, is this the end? You know, the Jags have a decision to make this offseason. $19 million salary for Blake Bortles in 2018. I get it. He's not really worth $19 million. But that being said, do you have another option? Can you get a, can you get a veteran quarterback? Can you swing that deal? I don't think you're going in the draft because this is a team that's ready to win now. So this is a huge game for Blake Bortles. I just think that that second time around, the Steelers aren't going aren't to get caught there. As for New Orleans and Minnesota, listen, the Saints have a great offense obviously number two in the NFL during the regular season in yards but this Vikings defense is special and I don't expect Case Keenum to turn back into a pumpkin I think the Vikings win and then take it on the road to Philly interesting question here Marcus Mariota obviously gets the road playoff win against the Kansas City Chiefs I think that for him in particular this game against the Patriots is almost entirely a big-time slingshot game in a positive direction. In other words, if the Titans go out and they lose 35-10, to 10, I think most people are going to say, yeah, that's kind of exactly what I anticipated to see happen. But going up against Tom Brady, going up against the Patriots, if Mariota came out and had a big game, how much could this mean for him? It's huge because it continues to build confidence. But as I reported here before, Clay, you know, I really expect changes on this Titans coaching staff. I'm not sure if Terry Rubisky sticks around. I think there'll be changes other positions on staff. I expect some tweaks to be made to try to help Marcus Mariota get back on, on the, the real big arc that he seemed to be on his first two seasons. Let's be honest, this Titans offense really was stagnant. You know, I mean, and it was stagnant in the first half who's last out week. There? Until, yeah, who's you know out there that they could get? I'm sorry? Who's out there that they could get? I agree with you that they probably are going to have to remake the offense, that Terry Rubisky could potentially be gone. What names are you hearing? Like, what, what, Who would they even look at potentially to remake the offense? 
Well, listen, I'd be speculating here, but I have to look at who Mike Malarkey has ties to right in the past. Is Mike Shula that comes in, works with him potentially as a quarterback's coach, if Mike doesn't get an offensive coordinator job. You have Daryl Bevel now. He's been released, you know, from his responsibilities as Seattle's Seahawks offensive coordinator. In other words, he was fired. So, you know, (laughs) we'll see if Bevel's out there. And, you know, again, if it's a quarterback's coach situation, that's one thing. I I just don't know how much Mike Malarkey wants to truly change his offense. And listen, this last week's win, it, it kept Mike Malarkey's job. If the Titans win on Saturday, they may decide, listen, we'll go with his staff. Maybe no changes are needed. Maybe these are the right guys guys for the job. But for right now, Malarkey, we know he's safe. I'm just not sure about some others on his staff. So is it? would you pick the Titans as the team? I mean, the Titans are nearly a two-touchdown underdog. If I told you you had to pick an underdog, and it sounds like you want to go with the Eagles, so I'm not really going to count the Eagles as an underdog. But if I told you you had to take Titans, you had to take the Jags, or you had to take the Saints – are you really telling me you'd take the Titans as the team that's potentially as an underdog there, most likely to pull off the upset? I'd take it for the points. I yeah. mean, if that's what we're talking about. I'd take them in the first half. And, they, you know, the problem is this. If they get into one of these games, you see, and I say this, they came down from 21-3, right? But trying to match firepower with the Patriots, realistically, is just not going to happen. I think they can stick close. I think New England ultimately pulls away. If there's going to be an upset, I think it would be New Orleans against Minnesota. But, gosh, this Saints team is so beat up, too. I mean, Andres Pete being out is huge because this Vikings defensive line is so good. Andres Pete, the 10th different starter out for the New Orleans Saints this season. It really makes what they've accomplished even more remarkable. You've lost basically half your starting lineup during the regular season, and yet now you've made it to the second round of the playoffs. They deserve a lot of props for that. Brady, in his last five game, has six touchdowns, but he also has five interceptions. Is there a reason to worry if you're a Patriots fan entering into the playoffs based on the way he's finished the season? It's it's not as efficient and pretty as it should be, but then again, he's not you know dealing with a full deck of cards in a lot of ways. You got Rob Gronkowski, you got Brandon Cooks, and then you don't got much more than that. And now you know you see Rex Burkhead; he's probably not going to be able to go. Mike Gillisley is limited. I mean, you have Deion Lewis, James White was out at the end of the season. I'm not making excuses. I mean, I think that the problem that you have with the, with the Patriots, and I really think the Titans could take advantage of this, is their offensive line. I think that they they've been you know Tom Brady's been pressured more this season than he's been in the past. You know, clearly if he has Joey and Edelman, I think it's a different story as far as two guys being on the same page. But I think that's, that's where we're at with Brady. I don't see the beginning of the end. It's just not as beautiful as, as it's been in the past. And that also speaks to Tom Brady. I mean, we're, we're talking Tom Brady. You know, maybe Carson Wentz gets the MVP, maybe Todd Gurley. But Tom Brady, we're still talking about one of the best three players in football, if not the guy who ultimately wins the award. So if that's the case with the panic mode on Tom Brady, I think I'll take it. Outstanding stuff as always. So, in general, if we get Steelers, Patriots, and let's say that all the favorites win and we get Vikings, Eagles, although that would obviously be an an underdog winning in the Eagles, what's your Super Bowl pick at this point in time with these eight teams remaining? It would be New England and Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings defense is just special. Plus, you know, I want to see that Super Bowl matchup because the, the Vikings actually have the Gronk stopper. They have Harrison Smith. This guy's ridiculous. He is. He might be the best safety in football, and he can cover Gronkowski, and that's going to force the Patriots to do some different things. I just I feel like this might be the year. Finally, that curse of the Vikings. Four previous Super Bowl appearances, Clay. No victories. They've always found a way to choke it in NFC Championship games or at least lose, whether it's, it's you know, Anderson missing that field goal, Gary Anderson, or the, yeah, Gary Anderson missing the field goal after being perfect all season back in the 1998 season, whether it's the Bounty Gate game uh, that took place down there. I mean, there's been so many things that have gone on through the years. Darren Nelson dropping a pass in 87, all those things. I think they're finally going to get past it. I really think the Vikings are going to get there. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll have it down to Final Four. Appreciate the time, my man. 
splendidly. Thank you so much. That is Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. Final segment, hour two coming up. We're going to go out to the desert, by the way, in hour three. Talk with my guy Todd Furman out in Las Vegas about the gambling uh, parameters here as we get ready for the wild card, uh, the divisional round weekend in the NFL. All that and more. Also, some of you can maybe react. 877-996-6369. Pinko, Jason Martin will be back in to talk about uh, the national anthem. This is Outkick the Coverage. I'm Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? Tax Slayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want. This tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at taxslayer.com as well. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I didn't get out to L.A. asking them what the solution would be. College football playoff ratings surging up double digits this year. The NFL so far down double digits. That follows a near double digit decline in the regular season. I think it's fair to say that the NFL for two straight years down nearly 20%. Do you just hope that all this blows over and not do anything? Is there anything you can do? Jason Martin says, stay in the locker room for the national anthem. I think that ship has sailed. I think it would have been a good compromise if the NFL had managed to do it a few years ago. But now I don't think you can change things in that direction. What do you do? Danny G, Justin, What if I were Roger Goodell and I was having a private meeting, and I was looking around the room, and I was saying, guys, we're in trouble. If you're just waking up and you haven't heard this, the NFL wildcard weekend ratings were down 13%. That follows a 10% collapse this year in television ratings, which follows an 8% collapse of last year, meaning the NFL is down around 20% off of its highs. If you run a business and your business is down 20%, That is a terrifying moment for anybody out there. In fact, lots of businesses out there, if they suddenly lost 20% of their revenue, they couldn't continue. I mean, that's way beyond what their profit margin is. What do you do? How do I fix it? I'm Roger Goodell. I'm asking you guys, what solution do you have? Well, Clay, am, am I crazy here? I thought that the protest thing was kind of simmering down. I, I want to ask you, in the last six, seven weeks of the NFL, have you seen any kneeling or any it's still going on on. it's just i think i honestly think that the nfl and the television partners they told them stop covering it we're getting hammered did you see the nbc story i saw that they're going to cut they said they would cover it at the super bowl but they're going to show anybody that kneels at the super bowl so that ought to be intriguing that would just bring it right back to the forefront and make it bad so but i think the television partners in conjunction with the league I think they have agreed to not talk about it very much because it's starting to cost them so much money. Again, $500 million in lost revenue this year alone, at least, for NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox. So how do you solve it? Do you just Your answer is, I haven't seen, if, you, if you're saying Danny G, I haven't seen it covered very much, I just hope, you're just hoping it blows over. Yeah, I think that's all you can do right now because the tube is, uh, is you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. So you're saying you can't do what college is doing because people have already seen the NFL players kneel in the past. So what? how can you fix it then? I think, I think if, I were, if I were in charge of the NFL, I think I would put forward the rule that you have to stand for the national anthem because I think that the possibility is 
And I'll, but I what would does say, it matter if if nobody is watching it? Maybe in the Super Bowl, as I Jason think you just would, said. I, but I think people would come back. I think the people who you're losing would come back if you said, if you just came out and you said, we understand now that many people in our fan base have reacted negatively to uh, I, the way that we've responded to the national anthem controversy. I we think got the, it wrong. I think these folks are going to come back anyways, Clay, because I, when did kneeling and the NFL become so evil? It was Nate Boyer, a Navy SEAL, that Kaepernick met with who told him, stop sitting, dude. You need to kneel. That's more of a, a respectful thing to do. And somehow... When, I don't think they're going to come back. But when Trump sent out that tweet, and it all exploded, it had already whittled down to, what, seven players at the time who were kneeling NFL-wide. And it wasn't a story at the time. It exploded, and it seems like you know we're on our third leg of this whole thing right now. I just don't know why these people are going to come back. Like, if, if that was the argument... Well, if they don't, is the NFL going to go out of business? I don't know. Twenty. It would come back. I, I don't know. The NFL is not going to go out of business, but I think the Baltimore Ravens basically sent out an email apologizing to fans. The fans have not been showing up in big numbers at NFL games. Like I think that the NFL and the television partners have tried to pretend like this protest isn't as big of a deal as it is because they've been afraid that if the storylines start to grow about how effective the protest has been, that the protest will grow even larger. And I think there has been a concerted effort to pretend like the protest is not as substantial of an impact as it actually is. And now that we've got two different years, again, with television ratings down 20%, maybe the NFL is just immune because suddenly Facebook and and Amazon and Google and all these other companies are going to come on and spend money. But I can tell you right now that if you are a television partner in the league, they're missing their budgets by over $500 million this year. Ultimately, at some point, if the if the product sales are down 10%, like I was told early this morning during the show, at some point the players get paid based on the fans responding in a positive way to the product. And if fans aren't responding to the product in a positive way, the NFL is just like any other business, they're in trouble. And so as a business owner, I sit back and say, man, if my revenue dropped 20% and it was because of something that I was doing, I would change what I was doing. I mean, that's because I own a business, and ultimately, I pay people based on the money that I make, and that's just like the NFL. And if you told me 20% of my business was disappearing, I'd figure out how to make it come back. Next final hour, up next, I'll kick the coverage. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. You guys blowing up uh, Twitter feed, blowing up everywhere else. Uh, uh, Also, the phone lines, 877-996-6369. We're going to go to Todd Furman out in the desert in Las Vegas, get you some gambling previews for the four divisional round playoff games coming up in the NFL in the next segment. But what we've been unpacking today is, I think, a, a pretty massive story. And it is the dichotomy, the divergence between the college football playoff ratings, which are up double digits this year, and the NFL uh, playoff ratings from the wild card weekend, which were down 13%. And I've been trying to figure out why is that divergence happening? And in particular, I think it also raises an interesting question. Are people too responsive to the opinions that they see on social media? I'm working on a new book that I think is going to be out around August or September. And one section of that book has to do with 
companies worrying too much what's happening on social media and worried about whether or not they're offending people. And my argument is, if you're a company, just do what you do well. I'll give you an example. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has the best damn chicken sandwich in the entire country. I know that Je- Je- Justin uh, back in L.A. is an anti-Chick-fil-A guy because he is like uh, basically a terrorist of uh, food and he can't trust any of his opinions on anything when I find out somebody doesn't like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A doubles the revenue of any other fast food restaurant in the country. I saw a stat the other day where the average Chick-fil-A does $4 million a year in revenue out of a single store. The next highest fast food revenue chain is a $2 million a year revenue. So Chick-fil-A doubles everybody else. They are the Michael Jordan of fast food. Or if you're a young guy, they're the LeBron James of fast food. Either way. And I study that, and I'm fascinated by it, because if you remember just a few years ago, Chick-fil-A was all in the news because it came out that Chick-fil-A did not believe in gay marriage. And people are like, we're going to boycott, we're going to protest, there's no way we're going to allow Chick-fil-A to be against gay marriage. And you know what happened? Chick-fil-A didn't apologize. We didn't come out and say, oh, we fired everybody who doesn't believe in gay marriage at this company. Oh, we have said, you know what? This is an unacceptable opinion, and we are not going to be tolerant of divergent views in this company. We're going to fire everybody because social media is upset, and everybody's saying they're going to boycott Chick-fil-A. No, you know what Chick-fil-A said? Yeah, we don't think gay marriage should be legal. And also, we got really good chicken sandwiches. We hope you come and enjoy them, regardless of what your sexual orientation is. And you know what happened? Gay dudes standing in line for Chick-fil-A sandwiches being like, damn, I'm really unhappy that they don't want us to get married here, but I'll be damned if I'm not going to stand in line for this delicious Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know what mattered? Their business. As long as the core of the business was strong, i.e. they made good chicken sandwiches, people didn't care about their politics. People didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to eat a Chick-fil-A because I believe gay marriage should be legal. They said, you know what? I'm going to go eat the best chicken sandwich. And you know who had the best chicken sandwich? Chick-fil-A. You know what else happened? United Airlines. Was it United? I can't even remember. I think it was United Airlines dragged that doctor off the plane. Remember that? Asian doctor. It's a huge story. Everybody's like, I'm never going to fly United Airlines again. Social media is in an uproar. People talk about United Airlines like crazy. You know what happened? United Airlines reported record revenue the next quarter. You know why? Because ultimately, people don't make decisions on which airline to fly based on how they're treated on that airline. They make decisions on what airline to fly based on the price. Vast majority of reasonable people out there, if you have to fly somewhere, you get on the internet, you type in the two airport, the airport you're going to and the airport you're going from, and you pick the flight that fits your time and price the best. And the single most important factor for most people is which airline has the cheapest fare. So if you do your job, i.e. keep fare costs down, people don't even care about viral moments involved in that guy being dragged off. If the NFL had served its customers best, it would have kicked Colin Kaepernick to the curb the minute that he started to protest. They would have said, this is unacceptable, you are suspended. 
Instead, they tried to have it both ways. They tried to placate everybody instead of just saying, you know what? Chick-fil-A did. Chick-fil-A said, hey, you know what? We don't believe gay marriage should be legal. You don't have to agree with us on everything. But our chicken sandwich is really good. If the NFL had just said, hey, our players have to stand for the national anthem. We understand if you're upset about some things going on in this country, but standing up for the national anthem is not negotiable. That's one of the requirements of our league, just like the NBA requires its players to stand for the national anthem. It's good for our business for the players to do this. And it's bad for our business if the players don't do it. Instead of just flat out coming out and being a dictator like Roger Goodell usually is, he bungled this response. And the result is ratings are down 20% over the past two years. Because there's a lot of people like my uncle, like my father-in-law, who just said, screw it, I got better things to do than watch the NFL wallow in politics and not stand up for the national anthem. It's a disastrous move. Because instead of just saying, hey, our politics is you stand for the national anthem. If you don't like it, you don't have to play in our league. I think just about everybody out there would have said, you know what? I get that. Because every single person who's listening to me this morning has to do something at work that they would prefer not to do because they're being paid to do it. Not a, there's a, not a single person listening to me right now who is an employee that isn't going to be required to do something that they don't like. I don't know what it is. I don't know what all your jobs are. But when you are an employee, you sell your free time in exchange for labor. And as a result, you give up some of your freedoms and have to do things that you don't like, that you would not choose to do otherwise. And if you don't like that requirement that exists at your job, you can leave and go find another job. It's a great thing about America. You have the freedom to quit your job at any point in time. Go do something else. Just like all the NFL players who didn't want to stand for the national anthem would have had the right to do. Instead, the NFL ham-handed this. Instead of being like Chick-fil-A and just coming out and saying, hey, yeah, we don't agree with gay marriage. We got a damn good chicken sandwich. NFL comes out and says, yeah, you stand for the national anthem. Understand some of you might not like it. That's our rule. That's what we're going to do. We got a really good football product. Hope people still come. They wouldn't have lost their ratings by 20%. Instead, they managed to alienate a lot of their viewership, and they managed to even get into a feud with Donald Trump. I don't know how you fix it now. Jason Martin says, just don't have the players come out for the national anthem. That's not going to fix it now. Danny G says, just wait and hope this thing blows away. Justin, do you have any suggestions? Like if I'm Roger Goodell and we're sitting around a conference room table, my suggestion is, I, in the offseason, if I were Roger Goodell, I would mandate all players have to stand for the national anthem. And here's my solution. If you don't stand for the national anthem, then we dock you whatever the dollar figure is and all of the money that you get, that we get, goes to the Wounded Warrior Fund. I think that's a perfect compromise. People say, okay, well, what would you do, Clay? That would be my solution. I would say in the offseason, every player stands for the national anthem. If you decide to kneel, then every game that you kneel for, you get fined $50,000, and that money comes out of your paycheck and goes straight to the Wounded Warrior Fund to support troops who have been injured overseas supporting our country. First of all, I don't know how many players would continue to kneel because if you put the money, you force them to then put their money where their mouth is, right? Like, okay, you want to be speak out, opposed to the NFL's rule, you have the right to kneel, but every time you kneel, it's going to be $50,000. And if you don't, and that same thing goes if you don't come out of the, of the locker room for the national anthem 
as well. If you're not on the field before the game starts, standing for the national anthem, it's $50,000 every game. And we're going to take that money directly out of your paycheck and we're going to put it directly into a Wounded Warrior Fund. I think that's actually a really good compromise because then the people who are upset about the troops not being respected, well, the money that's going from the player directly to the Wounded Warrior Fund is a benefit to them. And if you're a player, you can't be accused of being disrespectful to the anthem because you can say, look, I'm going to do it all season long. That's going to cost me, whatever the math is there, (laughs) $800,000. That's $800,000 to charity. If you feel that strongly about not standing for the national anthem and drawing attention to yourself, then it's going to cost you $800,000. How is that solution? Go around the horn. Jason Martin, that solution. Am I still talking? Let's go to L.A. L.A., your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I personally don't like the solution, but, I mean, it's just going to be rehashing the same argument. I I don't like it. I think it ends it. I think it ends it almost overnight because I think the number of guys who would be willing to kneel if it cost them $50,000 would be almost negligible, and you're costing the league right now hundreds of millions of dollars based on your decision. I think you need a resolution. Can I ask you or just just one point here? Let's say you mandate that everybody stands for the national anthem, as you're saying. Okay, let, let's do that. So we're watching Michael Bennett stand for the national anthem. Lying, we race baiting, know, fraud, Matt, Michael Bennett. Right. Okay, we, we agree on that. Not a fan of Michael Bennett. Doesn't mean, and I also don't understand why the fact that I don't like Michael Bennett should extend to me not wanting to watch Alvin Kamara or Deshaun Watson or Christian McCaffrey or anybody else. But let's let's throw that to the side. Michael Bennett stands for the national anthem. We know he does not want to stand I don't for care. the national anthem. I don't so care. So we're I don't in think... the stands. So wait a second. I don't care whether you care. I'm, you talked about how it doesn't matter nobody, what I think. It nobody matters cares. what everybody else thinks. Everybody standing in that in that crowd, everybody watching that on television, if they show that and try to turn that into a story where he's standing up for the anthem, there is going to be some contingent of people that are like, yeah, you do what you're told, punk. I don't like the optics of that. The whole argument I'm making is that, first off, the Chick-fil-A argument that you make has a problem. Because Chick-fil-A didn't make their employees stand for anything. This was true at Kathy and other people within ownership that stuck behind Jason, their this is beliefs. A really, we don't have this any is a really idea. Bad, wait, Jason, you're getting you can destroyed continue to tell here. me this is a bad really, argument, but let me finish. Really let me fin- wait, let me finish. I know we what your no argument idea. is, and it's a bad one. No, you don't. We have no idea yes. what an individual employee at Chick-fil-A thinks because they're never asked to take a stand. They're never given an opportunity. There's no national anthem every morning at the restaurant. We're not supposed to ask everybody that makes a chicken sandwich whether or not they believe in gay marriage. We're no, there but you know what they say sandwich. every time that. you order something? They say, my pleasure. That's a rule at Chick-fil-A. Yes, so what? Okay. So what? So that's when you wear a uniform. I don't understand how this is com- complicated to anybody on earth. When you wear a uniform, you are obligated to do what the person who pays you to wear the uniform tells you to do. That's a, that's like the ba- most basic rule. If you wear a uniform to represent the United States, you aren't allowed to be involved in political activity. That's a rule, right? If you wear a uniform of the United States government, if you are a member of the military, you are not allowed to then be out knocking on doors advocating for a political candidate. But that's not that's the NFL, Clay. Military no, and NFL are everybody not the same wears thing. Uniform. That's an easy example, though. When you wear a uniform, you are leaving your personal beliefs aside in exchange for money. When you take the uniform off, you can do whatever you want. I don't understand how this is remotely 
contradictory in any way. I don't even understand how people out there who have jobs don't understand this. You have an obligation to fulfill the requirements of your job. If you don't like those requirements when you wear the uniform, then you can leave. You can get another job. There are tons of jobs that people who work in the NFL could do that don't pay anywhere as near as much money as playing football. If you don't so want to, make to big stand money, for the you national have to stand anthem, for the anthem. Yes. the great thing about America is you can leave, but it's not cool that you can have an opinion. That's your argument makes is nonsensical. It's really not. You can continue no, to say it's nonsensical. You wear a uniform, it's not. and you take money in exchange for an obligation to do things. You can't. You be didn't take money originally in, in the NFL uniform. to stand up for the anthem. You, you want to change the rule, then we'll see if anybody leaves the league, you and we'll see if anybody stands. But you can't you, be upset with them right now because it's not in the letter of the money, law that you have to stand. It, that's what I'm saying. Make the rule. It's costing you hundreds of millions of dollars. You adjust. Just if you are a business slope. owner, you. I don't even understand how this is. Confused. People need to understand what it's like to run a business. If you run a business and you lose twenty percent of your revenue, and it's because of things that your employees are doing. You know what you do? Every single business owner in America goes to their employers and they say, we're not going to do this anymore. Every single business owner. You've got to think like a business owner, not like an employee. Everybody out there listening right now, if you think like an employee, you will be an employee for the rest of your life. That's fine. There are good things about being an employee. It's a lot less stressful, for instance. But that means that for you, for the rest of your life, you will be reliant on somebody else giving you a paycheck. That's fine. If you want to think like a business owner and you want to come out and actually try and make big money in your life or have control over the decisions in your life, then you found a business and you take a risk and you become an entrepreneur. And if you do that, you understand the bigger picture. There isn't a single business owner in America who if their revenue was declining 20% because of something that their employers are, the employees are doing, that they wouldn't change that rule and say, my employees aren't going to do this anymore. That's how business works. Your employees do what makes the business the most money. And my point is straightforward here. you got to think like a business owner. This is how Jerry Jones is thinking. And really, one of the big conflicts here is between people who can't understand what it's like to be a business owner and people who think like employees. Think about what you can do when you are wearing a uniform, what a police officer can do when he's in his uniform, what a FedEx employee can do when he's in his uniform. If a a police officer pulled you over and when he walked to your window for speeding, He gave you a ticket, but he said, oh, by the way, if you go vote for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, I'll tear this ticket up right in front of you right now. You would say, man, that's unbelievable. I can't believe that police officer in his uniform pulled me over for speeding, and then he told me, hey, if you follow me to the polling place and it's election day and you go vote for my preferred candidate, then I'll tear up this ticket. Every single person listening right now will be like, man, that sounds bad. That's not either what we way, right? Like, All right, so either way, either way argument. You can argue for Trump. You can argue for Hillary Clinton if you're a police officer. That, that's a bad thing. I 100% agree. Why is it not okay 
if you're talking about college ratings going up, what is the thing about college? All those kids stay in the locker room. It's not about being disrespectful. It's about not putting that, them out there. Don't Jason, give them the, the platform. Point, you can say that that ship is sailed, no. but you're going to make people stand when we know they don't want to stand. I don't care. That, to me, why, is ridiculous. No, th- I don't understand why you care All why of your they're arguments. standing. The Nobody at FedEx is, is being asked to do the national no, anthem. No police bad, officer is being asked to stand for the argument, national anthem. That's because the jobs are different. <laughs> the jobs but the are NFL different. has to stand? The NFL is supposed to play football. Hey, Jason Martin. You so know what, what would happen? Have to Stop. Do with it. You know what would happen if FedEx found out that their profits would go up twenty percent if they played the national anthem every day at their distribution distributorship before everybody went out? They would play the freaking national anthem before everybody went out to deliver packages. If you told the leaders of FedEx right now, "Hey, your revenue is going to decline twenty percent," if revenue hasn't declined twenty percent, Clay. The, rev- the ratings have declined 20%, which That's ultimately not means thing. that the those revenue is not, going no, to decline. Those two no, things no, are not it, the same. It is the same thing. Viewership and revenue are exactly the they same thing. They are inextricably in connected. Because the way – do you know how the money gets made for the leagues? Uh, yeah, I'm well aware. I'm just okay, suggesting so it's a 20% drop in viewership so it has not hit no, anybody's wallets yet. It 100% has hit all of the television partners' wallets. Fox is not sending people to the Super Bowl this year – because they're making so much less money off of the NFL. They're not sending the television network to the NFL, to the Super Bowl this year, because their ratings are down so substantially. I mean, this is 100% fact. The league has cost, with this protest and the resulting decline in ratings, NBC, CBS, Fox, and ABC ESPN over $500 million off of what they had budgeted for the NFL because of the ratings decline, which has led to less advertising dollars. So, Do you believe it's 100% the protest? I, I think that it's almost 100% the protest. The only so thing that's changed in the last two Go years ahead. is the protest. And that's the only thing I can change. That's the only thing I can change. I can't go out and change like the larger structural issues affecting television right now, if that's the argument you want to go with. I can't change the fact that Donald Trump is incredibly entertaining slash controversial slash must-watch television, and so the ratings for the news are up substantially. The only thing I can control in my business is the way that people respond to my business. And the only thing that I see people talking about in the NFL in terms of why they would stop watching, it's an awful amazing coincidence that the NFL is at an all-time ratings high two years ago, and in the last two years, suddenly out of nowhere, the ratings have declined 20%. Maybe there's some other explanation. I mean, I'm open. That's why if I were Roger Goodell, I'd be like, we're going to have a task force and try to figure out. The only thing that I see that has substantially changed is the negative attention associated with the anthem. I I really don't know. And that's probably a show we could do after the NFL season ends. What else happened? Why else would the ratings be down so drastically? To me, and I've been on this for a couple of years, people have been saying, like, oh, Clay Travis is crazy. Like, a lot of people won't talk about this. They refuse to acknowledge. But when I know family members who are making decisions not to watch the NFL that are 100% honest, that love football, and they're telling me that the reason why they stopped watching was the protest, I've never heard anybody else tell me a reason why they stopped watching the NFL. And the fact that college is up, I mean, it's not football. Like the same issues that afflict the NFL, concussions, injuries, all those things exist in college football too. 
to me, it's I'm, I'm writing on this today on OutKick too, so I've been thinking a lot about it, but it's hard to look at it and say college football is up double digits this year despite the fact that they had an all-SEC final and the NFL is down 13% in its playoff. How do you reconcile those two opposite directions? How do you reconcile college football surging up and the NFL surging down? I just I don't know other than the protest. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's some other reason that I'm just not smart enough to understand. But to me, it is almost entirely the protest. And certainly, the protest is the only thing that I can control. Again, I can't control cord cutting. I can't control what's going on when it comes to uh, larger television viewing habits. I can't control the fact that Donald Trump is so polarizing that people can't get enough of television news and that he's managed to co-opt. I can't even control that Donald Trump decided to feud with us this year. But I think, again, this is a this is a big deal. And I think you look at some of the advertising partners, I think a league is going to start to lose more money than it already is. I mean, and by the league, I mean the league's partners because the league's money is guaranteed right now. And I think that's why, to a certain extent, the players don't understand how they get paid. It's always important to figure out how you get paid. And the players get paid in the NFL because of the fans. People can say, oh, they don't know. They get paid by the television networks. Or, oh, they get paid by, uh, by Verizon. And, oh, they get... All of that is predicated on fans caring. All of it. If fans don't care, then the NFL makes no money. So, ultimately, every NFL player makes his money off of the fans. And if you're willing to spit in the face of a certain percentage of your fan base, it's to me a lot like the Dixie Chicks. If the Dixie Chicks wanted to say George W. Bush is an embarrassment, that's fine, but they need to recognize who their fan base actually is. Madonna could get away with saying that. Jay-Z could get away with saying that. The Dixie Chicks couldn't. The NFL is a heartland business, and if you're pissing off the heartland, you're effectively killing your own business. And as a business owner, if my business was down 20%, I would do whatever I needed to 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 fix that. And I think every business owner in America would. And I think it's protest-related. Anyway, we're going to go out to the desert, try to make you some money, talk about all of the NFL divisional games and where your bets should go. My guy Todd Furman up early in the desert. We'll talk with him next. Outkick the coverage is Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in Eddie Garcia, then we're going to head out to the desert, talk to my guy Todd Furman. But first, what's shaking, Eddie? All right, Clay, let's start in the NBA where the Clippers beat the Warriors in the game of the night, 125-106. to That was in Oakland. Lou Williams with a career-high night, 50 points for the Clippers. was the fourth player in Clippers history score 50 or more points in a game. For Golden State in the loss, Kevin Durant had 40 points in the process, became the fifth player under the age of 30 to go for 20,000 points in his career, joining LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Wilt Chamberlain. College Hoops number one Villanova had no trouble beating 10th-ranked Xavier, 89-65 the Wildcats with the easy win. Texas knocked off number 16 TCU, 99-98 in double overtime, and Louisville goes on the road, beats number 23 Florida State, 73-69 snap in the Seminoles, 28 game home court winning streak. And Clay, a note from baseball for agent outfielder Jay Bruce reportedly agrees on a three-year, $39 million deal. Going back to the Mets, he was with New York last year, then was traded to the Indians for their playoff push. 
Good stuff as always. Todd Furman coming in now from the desert. Todd, uh, what do you think? These four divisional round playoff games. uh, Last week, all four underdogs covered. Is there any play at all in the underdogs this week? What do you like the most out Uh, here right now? You know what, Clay? It's been interesting to watch the market and see some of the line movement here. You knew Atlanta was going to open as a favorite against Philadelphia. The question was how high that number could go. Is it ticked towards a field goal? Would it get to three and a half? You're starting to see a little bit of an appetite for the underdog in that game. Uh, Tennessee, New England, if the Titans had anybody but Mike Malarkey as their head coach, this is a massive number here. Uh, but you worry about their ability to make adjustments. And if they spot the Patriots an 18-point uh, lead at the half, not sure they'll be able to play from behind. Jacksonville-Pittsburgh, probably the most inflated number there is, uh, given the Jags' offensive performance. This line would have been about five, five and a half last week, out to a full field goal, seven and a half. So there is a little bit of value. Um, and the biggest move we've seen on any of the four games, uh, New Orleans and Minnesota, professional money, backing the Vikings here, driving this number from three and a half upwards of five. Would not be shocked if this number got to six, despite the inexperience on Case Keenum's side working against Drew Brees in his 10-plus career playoff starts. All right, if you had to play one of these games, which one do you like the best? You know what, I'm going to make a case for the Vikings. I know this number has gotten away a little bit, but at four and a half, there still is ample opportunity. New Orleans bringing in guys on the offensive and defensive line to bolster some of their depth. Uh, I have real concerns about their inability uh, to stop the Vikings' uh, ground game. And you look at New Orleans, that back door may be open for Drew Brees to drive the length of the field late. Uh, when he needs it most from a cover standpoint. Uh, But I just think Minnesota right now, one of the most complete teams. And when you look at what the Vikings have done, their home field advantage as good as any in the NFL right now, especially when you talk to covering numbers. This is a team that's 19-5 and against the spread their last 24 games played at home. They're 17-4 and against the spread when they play in a dome anywhere in the NFL. And this is a defense that I think is the best remaining in the entire NFL. Titans and the Patriots, are you nervous at all if you are a Patriot backer with the fact that Tom Brady in his last five games has six touchdowns and five interceptions? So down the stretch of the season, he did not look like the same guy that he did earlier in the season. He seems to be dinged up a little bit. He's been hit a decent number of times. 13.5 is a big number uh, given how Brady has looked coming down the stretch of the season. I think there's definite concerns there. Uh, when you're at Tom Brady's age, the skill set can decline uh, pretty quickly, and I'm not going to say that's been the case over the last five to six games of the regular season, but if we hit the rewind button and we look at Peyton Manning and how he struggled down the stretch uh, when Denver won the Super Bowl, they were able to lean on a very talented defense. New England, in my opinion, doesn't have anything close to that same luxury. So it's going to be up to Bill Belichick and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels to figure out what they need to do to keep this Titans defense honest. And we've seen Tennessee. Yes, they weren't exactly great in the first half defensively, but second half under Dick LeBeau's leadership, this has been one of the best defenses in the third quarter. And now what makes the Titans dangerous is they're playing with house money. There's no expectations, uh, I'm sure, from them, the fans, or anybody else that they're going to go into Gillette Stadium and be able to push New England to the brink. Uh, So as this number approaches two touchdowns, the only way to look would be backing the underdog here, thinking that Marcus Mariota can do enough in the offense to at least – keep a you know semblance of a close game going and covering two touchdowns not exactly like asking to cover a field goal when you look at Mariota um, he seems like he's healthier now than he has been for much of the season there wasn't a lot of discussion about this but the Titans were I believe two and one and Mariota suffered a severe hamstring injury trying to run the ball in against uh, the the Texans and it seemed like that lingered with him for quite a bit of time 
Uh, and certainly he missed one game and a couple of other games he played in the pocket where he was basically unable to run at all. Um, I think it's fair to say that he's back to being healthy. I saw where Mike Malarkey officially said that, that Mariota is the healthiest he's been all season. reason why I ask that, if you watch that Kansas City Chiefs game, he scrambled really well, almost Russell Wilson-like, not running for running's sake, but when the play is breaking down, he converted a couple of third downs with his legs as part of that 7-for-7. The Patriot defense, man, they did not play very well against Cam Newton when he went up and won on the road. How do you factor in health and a situation where maybe the quarterback is playing in a different way than he had been the rest of the season? Well, the one thing with that comparison that gets a little dicey is that Cam is a much more physically imposing runner uh, than Marcus Mariota, where Marcus uh, leans on some of his speed and quickness to, as you mentioned, extend the plays, uh, and when things really break down, get outside the pocket and take off. And speaking to that effect, uh, you saw that in the prop market last weekend against Kansas City. The over-under for Mariota's rushing yards opened at 19.5. That number ultimately closed at 31, which is a relatively large move when you talk about a percentage indication uh, of where it's started and where it closed. He, of course, eclipsed that number. Uh, And Terry Robisky came out saying that same thing going into last week's game, that they started to see that swagger from 2016, Marcus Mariota, and you saw glimpses of that in their win against Jacksonville. His legs become one of the greatest weapons in this Tennessee offense because he's able to try and make things happen. Uh, I definitely think he'll play a major role here, and you do have to wonder uh, what New England's going to have to do in terms of committing a spy to him, and given the fact that the Titans don't have a running back that they can trust catching balls out of the backfield all that reliably, uh, Mariota makes up for some of that deficiency. A lot of times quarterbacks are the way to go in the playoffs in particular. You've got four guys that are really proven at the quarterback position. Obviously Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, and Drew Brees. They're going up against, and and they're not playing against each other. All four of those guys are on one side. On the other side, you've got Case Keenum, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, and uh, and obviously the the fourth guy there would be um, whoever the fourth guy is, uh, Nick Foles. And so when you break down those four versus those four, tell me why it wouldn't be smart to just take the best quarterbacks across the board. Well, I think, I mean, history is clearly going to be on the side of the Saints uh, in the final game of the weekend. If you look at what some of these numbers say, Drew Brees, 12 career playoff starts, Case Keenum will make his playoff debut. Clay, the last quarterback without a playoff start to beat a quarterback with 10-plus playoff starts in a postseason game, you have to go all the way back to 2011, where Tim Tebow beat Big Ben uh, in wild card weekend in that fateful overtime touchdown pass. So, It's been six years since that happened? That's exactly what it's been. Since you had a quarterback with 10-plus playoff starts against a guy who had no experience. So clearly, if you're looking at the last game, that makes a compelling case for the Saints. Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, we saw Bortles struggle mightily last weekend in his debut. Uh, Having T.J. Yeldon back helps quite a bit, though, for the Jags as they're able to extend the screen game. Marcus Mariota, he has to be better this trip to Foxborough than he was the only time he's been there in his career. I think he finished 3-6 of and left that game prematurely with an injury. He got injured. Yeah, he got injured year one. Yep, and that's part of the reason, too, in Atlanta that that we're seeing the Falcons actually open as a favorite and get about 65% of the support. You never want to use that quote-unquote crutch uh, with quarterback experience, but it definitely plays a role this time of year, especially when some of these guys are installed as a dog, knowing that they're going to have a puncher's chance late, that even if things break down, to get you in that back door. What would, I'm curious on this, I don't know that I've asked you, if the Vikings made the Super Bowl, so if they won this weekend, then they won next weekend, and both of those games could theoretically happen in Minnesota, 
How does the line get adjusted by them playing at home? I know the, the Super Bowl is usually a corporate crowd. I know that there's a relatively small number of fans that are allowed in as, as Viking fans or the opposing team fan from the AFC. But you have to figure that a lot of Vikings fans would buy up tickets. How do you set the line if the Vikings get to play in their home stadium? Because usually you get a home field advantage. What would you do for a Super Bowl? It's definitely a challenge. There's no doubt about it. When you look at the NFL baseline for what home field advantage typically is, uh, the generally accepted school of thought these days is two, two and a half points. Obviously, you can make minor adjustments based on the strength of the team. For example, Cleveland, you're not going to get much of anything in a home field advantage, whereas for the Vikings this weekend against the Saints, you can make the case that it should be in that three and a half range, given how fervent an atmosphere will be. We can use the parallel to the college football national championship, where that number with Alabama, a five and a half point favorite. Professional betters thought that oddsmakers did a poor job of incorporating that Mercedes Benz Stadium number uh, to reflect Georgia's proximity to campus. And that wasn't even their home building. So for me personally, I'm going to make about a two, two and a half point adjustment for the Vikings playing at home even knowing that it's not going to be nearly as many Vikings fans as you would expect on a typical playoff game or regular season atmosphere, but just the level of familiarity you think has to work in Minnesota's favor should they be the first team to ever play for a Super Bowl in their own building. Last question for you, got to be quick. How brutal was my beat when I had the under in the Bama-Georgia game and they shanked that 36-yard field goal? I was right there with you, but one thing that I have to try and drum into your head, Clay, if you're betting unders in college football or the NFL, always look to try and split your bet a little bit. First half under along with full game. First half cashes easily at 13-0. Full game, we were both dealt a cruel, cruel twist of fate because uh, Alabama can't kick field goals. Amen. Uh, That's Todd Furman. Go follow him on Twitter at Todd Furman. Final segment of the show. Up next, I'm Clay Travis. I'll kick the coverage. Maybe a little Animal Thunderdome action here to finish off the show on Fox Sports Radio. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Welcome back in. Outkick final segment, Thursday edition. I hope you guys are having fantastic days wherever you may be. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Lots of fun discussion today about the NFL versus college football, why the NFL ratings are collapsing while college football ratings are surging. Lots of good calls, lots of good interaction, lots of good fun on Twitter. You can find me at Clay Travis. You can also go download the podcast. Search out OutKick. Millions of you are doing it every single month. I appreciate what you guys are doing for the show. And now we close out on a positive note. In the war of humanity against animals, it's Animal Thunderdome time. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet and stricter stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Well, you know, if you happen to be a human, there is some craziness going on. Jason Martin, what you got? Clay, this credit first goes to Ben Shively, who emailed me this. I think it was yesterday. It may have been two days ago. You can email me at jmartclone at gmail.com. You can hit clay.travis at gmail.com if you want to send us Animal Thunderdome stories. We don't see it all, but this is a really interesting story. There's a brutal heat wave currently happening in Australia. Temperature records being shattered left and right, which often means major fires. But I'll bet you didn't know this. I know I didn't. Aussies are having to deal with, according to sciencealert.com, an ancient breed of flying arsonists akin to miniature dragons. 
They're nicknamed Firehawk Raptors, indigenous birds that intentionally spread fire by wielding burning sticks in their talons and beaks. What? Three different species. Listen, black kite, whistling kite, brown falcon. These birds have been doing this for millennia, according to geographers that spoke to National Geographic. It's been known for 40,000 years by Aboriginal peoples. The intent is to spread fire to unburned locations. The reason is to drive potential prey towards the raptors by a wall of flames. So basically what the game makers tried to do to the tributes in the Hunger Games. From a 1964 autobiography I found by an indigenous doctor, quote, I have seen a hawk pick up a smoldering stick, stop it, drop it in a fresh patch of grass half a mile away, then wait with its mates for the mad exodus of scorched and frightened rodents and reptiles. Researchers increasingly believe these birds know exactly what they're doing, but in the process, they're setting huge brush fires, huge fires in Australia, fires that could harm humans or destroy large areas. This seems like an inefficient way to catch an animal. I'm not an expert on bird thought processes, obviously, but this doesn't seem like a very positive biological creation to allow birds to create fires so they can easier catch animals. Right? Like, you get one bird, but you, I mean, one like rabbit, but you burn like hundreds of acres of otherwise not burned farmland or whatever. That seems like a bad, bad deal. Well, it does seem like a bad deal. I imagine if they're big enough fires, you're driving a lot of prey for a lot of different birds. That's the thing. They're all like sitting there waiting together. Maybe this is just the best idea that these particular species have come up with. Did you guys see the pictures? of the alligators in the frozen lake in North Carolina. Have you guys seen this? You need, if you haven't seen this, I'm, I ever, not just you guys who are on the show with me, but everybody out there who is listening right now, you need to get out your phones and Google alligators and then like ice, ice. Like in, this is crazy, in North Carolina, it's been so cold. It's been so cold all over the South in particular and all over the country in general, but the South in particular that these alligators live in North Carolina, like southern North Carolina, and the ponds that they are in have frozen, and so the alligators, to avoid dying underneath the water, have poked their snouts out of the ice to allow them to continue to breathe while they go into this catatonic state. Have you seen this story? It's an unbelievable story. I saw story. one photo. I saw one photo of it. I guess maybe they heard something about the iguanas. And didn't well, want to end iguanas, up like the iguanas. Well, it's, it explains how the alligators have managed to survive since the dinosaur days. But this is like they know when the water is about to freeze and they poke their snouts out of the water to ensure that they're not frozen underneath the water, unable to breathe. And then they just go into like a cat- catatonic state so that because they're cold blooded, they don't have to worry about the fact that it's so frigid. It, it, it is an unbelievable story. I mean, you need to go check it out. You need to see this picture. Maybe one of us will tweet it out. I tweeted it out yesterday, I think. Um, it's crazy. Uh, great show, as always. I'd encourage you to download the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk with Casey Smith. We're going to talk with Mike Keith. We'll get you ready for all four of the Titans and uh, the Titans, the Patriots. I can't even name all the games now, but the Titans, the Patriots, the uh, the the Eagles against the Falcons, and the other two games as well. All the divisional Nobody's rounds. We'll talk about it next week. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 